Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. And this week, we're taking a deeper dive into 1 Kings 18, Elijah encountering Ahab and the people of Israel at Mount Carmel. Pastor Dina, this passage is often looked at through the lens of God's amazing display of power. We, mm-hmm. we think of the fire that gets called down and we're like, ooh, shiny things. Um, but I tried to look at it in a different light uh, that is in our the different responses there are to God from, from Ahab to the, the, the various responses of people, of the people. How, how did that land with you? Yeah, I think it was really helpful for me. I know you started off by reminding us that we know our bodies and we know, as you said, you know, you know, the tickle that's going to lead to, to something. I hate that every time I'm like, yeah, no, don't let it be this time. It's just allergies. No, it always turns out to be a cold. Yeah. Um, I know I, as I struggled with strep throat for much of last year, you know, there was always like, oh, I know where this is going. Stink. Maybe not. Maybe not this time. Yep. Here we are, you know. <laughs> um, and and so we do in so many ways check in with our bodies in ways that we acknowledge outright and, and in more unintentional ways too. But it it got me thinking how often do we really do that with our spiritual life? Mm. How often do we really say, why am I so edgy? Why am I so anxious? Why am I so short right now? Like where, you know, we, we consider our sleep and our vitamin intake and, and exercise and all that, which are good and appropriate steps, but very rarely, if ever is part, at least for me, is part of that thought process. Like, where am I with, with my faith relationship, where am I with God? Where, um, how, how does that play in to everything? And so I think, I think just by asking the question and, and you had laid out four, um, four different categories of where you might fall. And I, I waffled back and forth between all of them at times. (laughs) I mean, really, but really, not so much the oppositional one, um, but could see elements of, of each of the, the other three, especially in my life. And so it made it hard to land in one category or the other. So sure. I was wondering if you had had broader categories in mind or how, how that worked. Yeah, okay. So um, a brief reminder, uh, if, if you're struggling to, to remember, the four categories are opposition, cold indifference, tacit assent, and complete surrender. Um, and no, so, um, you know, I, so a little bit of background, I did a lot of specialization in ethics. Mm. Um, and so, uh, Niebuhr's, uh, Christ and culture is something Mm. that influenced me greatly. And so I, um, you know, just like Niebuhr never wanted those to be, you know, categories that you just land in. Like I looked at this more like a continuum Yeah, where you have opposition on one side, um, although it, it's almost a circular continuum because opposition is very close to complete surrender mm-hmm. just with a different set of foundational beliefs. Um, and, and it circles around all the way to through complete sen- surrender. So I see it as a, as a continuum and, and one that, that is pretty fluid that, that we probably go through a, a lot. I like, cause I've, I feel like there have been times, like, I feel like, so I go to, to Camp Lambeck up on Lake Erie mm-hmm. once a year for, for music camp. 
And after that experience, I am usually like at the complete surrender point. Yeah. And then almost like a a furnace being turned off where you don't notice that the furnace was shut off. Mm-hmm. Except for a couple hours later, you're noticing the temps dropping and the temps dropping yeah. and the temps dropping. Or uh, the other way around, you had the AC on and and now the temps going up and going yeah. up. That um, there can be that sort of a <coughs> that sort of of fluidity and and movement, and sometimes because of um, life events, traumatic events, catastrophic events, um, we might go from from one, you know, we might go from a tacit ascent. I think the most likely one would be to go from a tacit ascent to an opposition or from an opposition and cold indifference. If you have a life changing experience to a complete surrender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad to hear you say that because similarly, as I was thinking through that continuum and where, where I might be, as I said, you know, I can imagine myself at, at various points along that in those different categories mm-hmm. at different times in my life based on on what's happening in the world around me and what's happening in my own life and heart and um which, which I think is hard sometimes because we like we would like to assume I would like to assume that I'm just in the all-in complete surrender category. I mean, goodness, I'm a pastor and I work for a church. Yeah, I was going to say, people expect us to be at at complete surrender all the time. Yeah, and... Which, newsflash, we're mortal. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Um, And so... So I think it's a hard thing to reckon with. Where really are you? And, And am I treating God as a lucky rabbit's foot? As... As just a nice thing to have on the side as insurance in case something else doesn't go well. Do I assume that I have to work out my own salvation instead of trusting that it's being worked out in me, which, you know, which would then put me more in the, the opposition or, or tacit assent that, you know, God is nice, but I'm going to make sure that, that I know what's going on and have things in hand too because i i can't depend on on anything else yeah so so yeah it's a it's a hard thing to to reckon with and i think it takes courage and maturity to even take stock of of where you are and to really think through how not just how you're presenting yourself to the world and to the church but where really are you in your heart because I think mm. we can paint a picture, an outward picture that that may look very different than how we're actually feeling and interacting with God. Yeah, I think that's absolutely a a, a frightening thing because I, I think there are many of us at many times that would look and say, "I am far more tacit assent than I ever thought I was." Like I thought I was, I was in. I thought I was was all in but when i start to look at it against the faithfulness of a david when i look at it against the faithfulness of of um this week we're going to talk about hosea um and and we're not going to talk about his life but you know when i look at those examples of faith i don't know that i'm quite 
where I thought I was. And I think that's a difficult thing, a scary thing. I think that might scare us because say, oh, shoot, I'm, I'm coming up short then. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it's a it's a humbling thing to really think about where you are and and it can kind of be scary like to, you know to think oh man I I had myself fooled into thinking that I was in this complete place but but if I'm honest I'm not and the, and I think the church has not been really great at allowing those kinds of questions and and wonderings I think we have kind of sort of demanded that people put on that show of being mm-hmm. in 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 complete surrender and don't really know what to do with the questions like we 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 react pretty hard when someone says i'm not sure god is real yeah you know we react pretty hard when when people start grappling with the big questions like if if god is real why are all these bad things happening yeah kind of things that and it's funny because when i think about getting to the place of saying, oh shoot, I don't have it together. I'm not where I thought I was. I think that's exactly where God wants us. Yeah. That's where, I, I, to me, that's where God comes in and says, I'm glad you finally understand that. That's where I want you because I want to be enough. I don't want you to be enough. I want to be enough for you. Um, that's the whole reason I came after you. It's because I knew you couldn't do it. You know, that whole thousand years thing in the in the law yeah like i thought you would have kind of gotten it that you don't measure up yeah yeah but that we don't we don't like that at all that that's a hard i think i think one of the hardest things about a life of faith is admitting that that we cannot do it that that everything we could offer the very best of everything, every amount of service. I mean, you could, you could live at the church and give all your money away and, and serve and work, and it's still not enough. And, and yes, that's where, right where God wants us because that is a position of vulnerability. But that's a really hard, hard place to be to to realize nothing I do will measure up to what what Christ has done for me. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's hard to get, that's hard to get your head around. Yeah. Like as, as you're saying that I'm sitting there going, it, even now that's so hard to, for sure. to just conceptualize. And I almost wonder if it's harder. It's equally as hard, if not harder for those of us in the church who, who constantly feel the burn, burden to bring more people to the faith to to provide worship that that really reaches people's hearts to show how well we we know the scripture and and trust and and believe that and then to think that even all of that is not enough i think i mean i think if we're not careful it can lead us into that that place of of opposition or cold indifference like if if nothing i do is good enough then why even bother you know if if I can't please you, God, then, then why should I even try? And yet that's not, that's not the position that, that God is taking. To me, 
you know, I try on my better days to, to hear that as a gracious invitation mm. to rest, to, to trust that the best that I can bring, because I do believe we are called to, to serve to the best of our ability and to be generous and to do all that, but to rest in the idea that, that no, it'll, it'll nev- never be enough because Christ is enough for me. Yeah. And, and to try and, and view that as a place of rest instead of a place of challenge. Burden. Yeah. But I mean, I say that, but it's really super hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so it reminded me of when Jesus was teaching and, and a, a rich young ruler comes up and, and says, you know, I've, uh, I've kept all the commandments since I was young. Um, you know, what do you, what do I need to do? And, um, Jesus says, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And the young man goes away sad. And Jesus says to the disciples, truly, I tell you, it's hard for so- it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples heard this. They were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Mm-hmm. Like, if he can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like... I don't know if you noticed, but I'm a fisherman. I didn't exactly have the nicest language when we met. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, again, I think it, it's this balance of, of taking stock and reimagining our position with God and also trusting that, that no matter where we fall, there's grace in the midst of that. Because I think, especially for, you know, people who are driven to perform or do well or do their best or be the top you know we can kind of hear some condemnation in in anything that's not total surrender and yet the Mm -hmm. grace of God covers even that 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 even on the days where I find myself in cold indifference that that God's grace can still reach me there that just because you find yourself even in an oppositional stance doesn't mean that God isn't loving you and caring for you and reaching out to you (laughs) just because i'm opposed to god does not mean that god is opposed to me yeah which is a really i mean that's a simple statement and should be second nature but but that it's not not at all the way we act or interact as i said you know when when people admit that they have questions about if god is even real or how god created the world or how you know how good and evil interact it's almost kind of like ooh, god's gonna hear you you better not (laughs) say that you know as if saying it out loud somehow makes it real right right um like what's in our head is not real yeah that of course it's in your head harry (laughs) why does that mean it's not real harry potter nice yes thank you yeah you're, you're welcome um but but we almost act as though like oh you better not let god know you have questions you know you better not let the teacher know that that you don't understand the assignment you better act as though you have it all together and we do ourselves such a disservice because that's what leads into to two different lives that's what leads us into thinking you know if my if my family just walks through the door of the church every sunday if we just put a check in the offering plate if you know if we just sign up for the for a committee or a worship team, whatever, then phew, I'm good. I I can I can consider that enough. Yeah. 
you know, and again, I say that knowing, you know, there's this, this tension. And I think depending on how, you know, how you're relating to God, we, on one hand, we assume that just walking through the door is enough. And then on the other hand, we know that will never be enough. So why even try? So it's a, it is a complicated continuum of, of figuring out how to interact with this God who is so much greater and more gracious and more all-knowing than than anything our rational brains can understand. Katie and I have had conversations about parenting the boys and realizing that, you know, they, they're growing up around the church more so than most kids mm-hmm. because obviously as Pat and your kids too. Yeah. I mean, this is just a part of their, their the fabric of their life. And recognizing, because we, we recognize that just physically being here does not a, a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ make. And so, yeah. and so we've had conversations. Are we, are we doing enough to help them understand and be formed in the faith? Um, and so, you know, that's a very real. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was thinking about that, you know, as, as my kids are growing up too. And, and certainly they know what life in the church is like, but do they know what life in Christ is like? And, yeah. and the same thing, like, have I done enough to show that, to model that, to, to get them to think about that? And, and sometimes the answer is no, I haven't because I'm busy leading everybody else. And, yeah. and it makes it hard. Um, and then I also think of all the wonderful experiences that my, my children have had because they've grown up yeah. in the church building as a member of the body of Christ. And, and really, I mean, isn't that the, the best situation that it, that it's not just on parents to form their kids that, that in the places I sh- fall short, that hopefully other people are, are helping to fill in those gaps and they're seeing a multitude of different ways to be a Christian. Um, you know, I think of our kids growing up in the church and, having parents who are, are pastors. And yet the vast majority of people, the vast majority of Christians are not pastors. And so we're going to have to equip them to live out their faith in other ways too, if that's not the call on their life. Right. Exactly. And well, and that goes to, to Ephesians uh, four or five, where we find out that the job of, of the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers is to, is to equip the people. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. for acts of service in the world to bring them into maturity. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes that involves what Elijah did, which was inviting them into kind of a, an examination of where they are. I mean, um, it, Elijah does it. I mean, first of all, can I say I love Elijah's sarcasm? Oh yeah. Um, so there is, before we, 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 um, go into it, the, the, into what I was about to say, I want to comment that there is a translation thing that I did not bring out in the sermon. Um, but there is a comment that Elijah makes. He starts taunting the, um, mm-hmm. he starts taunting the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal and saying, you know, where, where's, where's Baal? What's, what's going on? Um, and let's see here. Let me see if I can get to it real quick. Um, and he says, let's see here, shout louder. Surely he's a God. 
Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Okay, the NIV papers over something yeah, there. Yeah, for sure. Um, because busy is actually a papering over of Elijah saying, maybe he's deep in thought. Maybe he's relieving himself. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. fantastic Yeah, um, that a prophet of the living God actually got away with that. Um. <laughs> yeah, the... Um yeah, that's the NIV. I was trying to look at to see. I don't think any of the versions really do that, that um, verse justice. I, I, I'm going to have a couple of weeks ago, you had Dale and Diane Jacobs on. Yes. Dale Jacobs Bible actually rendered it that way. Oh, did it? Yes. Okay, I've forgotten it that. It was so great. We'll have to ask him what translation he was using. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's see here. Um so there, there was a translation issue there, but I, I love the fact that, that, um, uh, that Elijah leads the people, uh, oh, the ESV renders it that way and the new okay. living translation. Okay. Um, but I love the fact that, that Elijah, um, kind of moves the people along where they are. Because I could have seen Elijah, I would have gotten frustrated with the people giving me no answer. Yeah. Like, come on, people here. Yeah, I you, mean... You're we, really going to stand on the sidelines on this? Yeah. I I can imagine, you know, especially at my lower moments of parenting when my kids are complaining about something and, you know, you know, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And then you put like an entire plate and you're like, all right, fine. You said you were hungry. Go ahead, eat all of it. Like I hear that kind of snarkiness in, in Elijah that, yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely resonate with like, okay, you said you want this. Let's see it. Go ahead. You know, yeah. you get it. I mean, kind of the, like the poems we've been reading in email forwards for all of time. You know, my, my, 10 year old said that he wanted to be an adult and so I said okay well here you know here's the mortgage here's the grocery bill here you know you said you wanted to be an adult have at it you know have fun uh-huh um so I I guess as I read that I, I especially because I you know I had known about the the sarcasm in in asking if God was busy if God was you know deep in thought it just it sounds it this it sounds sarcastic and and it's so gratifying. <laughs> yes, it is. So, you know, and so part of what got cut is this idea. I, I glossed through it in the introduction, but the, the Elijah is really answering the question, who is God? Mm -hmm. And he's answering this question by, by saying, who or what can take your sacrifice and receive it actually in a very real way, way and receive it as good and valuable mm -hmm. as well too. Because he, he sets it up in terms of sacrifices. And, you know, and we think of that as an Old Testament thing, but we are, we offer ourselves over to things all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, like the, the one that I think about, we've been talking about kids, but, you know, I remember phases of life and, you know, phases early on where it's like, well, I'm sure someday I'll get into dating and that'll be really exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, then you get into it and then you're like, well, maybe someday I'll be engaged. And, and, and there's just that constant, like giving over yourself. Um, but it's a, it's a constant treadmill because, okay, 
dating to engaged, you, you know, the engaged, well, when you're married, then it'll really, mm-hmm. and I know you experienced that at, at, at your college yes. too. That was a very big value at your college. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a ring by spring and, and okay. I would say probably 40% of the graduating class was engaged. You know, I, you'd have to figure that out because the number of them were engaged to each other, but um, <laughs> how, how do you calculate? Oh, yeah, sorry. I don't know. Um, but yeah, there was this constant idea, like you need to be in a relationship. Oh, well, you know, it's not a real relationship until you have a ring on your finger. Well, you know, you haven't made those vows yet. So, you know, your, your relationship still isn't as, as strong and solid as someone else. And then immediately it goes into having a family and, and, and we've, I know we've talked before how that, you know, that just you wait kind of culture and it can be it can be both foreboding or the rewards of it like oh you know well it's great to be married but it's even better to have kids you don't really know what love is till you have kids well you don't really know what what great parenting is like until your kids are in elementary school and you know oh just wait till they get to high school and can drive themselves places and then your life will be better and we do it career-wise too just wait until you get a job just wait until you get a promotion just wait until you're in charge of the team mm-hmm. you know and 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 it sets us up you know all the way up to you know just wait until you're retired and and all of a sudden you're back to where you started really with you know 40 years of experience in between but all these promises we've made all along wait until you get a job at the end we're actually saying well wait until you actually don't have to work at all anymore yeah exactly um, it, I remember if if we can just for a second I remember when I was in undergrad and you know you do all this preparation I was I was preparing to be an English teacher and you do all this preparation and you pass the tests and like I Katie and I worked in Iowa City Iowa our first 2 years of marriage okay that's a big 10 town that mm-hmm. is flooded with teachers I could I I couldn't even get calls back I couldn't even get acknowledgments that my resume had been received yeah and I had to start thinking well wait a minute what does it mean if I did all this and I never end up as a teacher yeah and that was I remember that feeling and that was an awful feeling yeah I remember that too when I started seminary they they were telling us oh for every pastor that's searching there's three or four churches looking and somehow in those three years it it was very different by the time I graduated and really, and yeah. And, um, at least in the Pittsburgh area. And oh, again, okay. be- because there are so many seminaries here, it's, you know, a, kind of a saturated market. And because of my husband's position and, and job, I knew that moving wasn't in the cards for us. And so okay. I, I babysat for that year. It took a, a little over a year after I graduated to, to find a job. And I remember thinking like, I just spent a lot of money and a lot of effort learning Greek to watch, <laughs> you know, the wiggles or something equally as mind numbing. And, and yeah, it was frustrating and did lead to like, is this really what you called me to do? Like, yeah. am I, I mean, and it, it truly, it led to questions of, am I not good enough? Am I not the right person? It, it seemed to magnify all of those underlying concerns that were already there like are you really going to use me god to oh maybe maybe i misread this whole situation yeah i mean there were times even uh before going to seminary that i was like well maybe i shouldn't have even done education maybe i just did that because my parents did it um and and 
you know, maybe I just, and, um, you know, what I've, what I've seen in the, the interim period and, and not that I don't still struggle with that at times, but what I see is God pulling all what looks like a bunch of loose ends mm-hmm. up into something that's, that's usable, pull, pulling it into a tapestry that, that actually somehow works. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, you know, Elijah is, is saying, you know, are, are, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> if you were talking to me, you know, what are you doing, James? Are you offering these sacrifices to your sense of purpose, to your sense of, of uh, calling? Or are you actually offering all these gifts over to God in service to him? Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, that's a hard, that's a hard distinction to make. And again, it, it takes this introspective kind of position to really be able to to suss that out for ourselves because because on the surface it looks good it looks noble it looks righteous and and only we're the only ones that know our hearts you know yeah our our the way that 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 our own pride and arrogance and and desires fit into our call and and what we're what we're making idols and what we're we're giving to God and and again I think from the outside no one else knows that I mean I mean there are certain idols that are really easy to spot in other people but the vast majority of them are are heart idols you know yeah Um, because of course I mean even to go back to the relationship narrative i mean who if you're in a a long-term committed relationship of course it's a a a good thing to pursue marriage to explore marriage Mm -hmm. you know of of course it's a wonderful and beautiful thing to become a parent and yet we no one knows it the level to which those things become all-consuming or or this this promised land in a way that you know once I get here I will have finally arrived and and we see it in the church too once my church grows to this size once mm-hmm. I'm serving this kind of congregation once my people are acting in this way and I don't know about you but like even in ministry circles as as you talk about church as you talk about the people you know even if you say my church is struggling with this there's going to be at least one person in the room who says my church is so great at that we don't struggle with that that at all you know we're really good at mission or worship or whatever you know whatever the the lament is yeah to the point where it all, almost becomes an idol like oh man if only if only i had a church that that really understood mission or that was really faithful in giving or had a a faithfully funded endowment that would be that would be the best and then we could really serve god and you know there but there's always something there's always something more yeah that that the world says you need to have i feel like the crystallization of what we're saying here is that that elijah would would i would guess and and maybe he'd do it in more colorful language than i would but uh take take what you're given now and offer it back to god in worship mm-hmm. you know don't just look for the next the you know don't chase after the idols of this world but but receive this world as a gift 
and offer that gift back to the gift giver as an act of worship. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that level of contentment is, is something you have to work at in, in relationship with God, in relationship with where am I on this, on this scale and how am I treating God? But to, to find yourself content where you are is really a hard thing to do, I think, because we are so conditioned to think about what's coming next. I mean, my, my kid's in seventh grade and we're, we're already thinking, well, you know, high school's not that far off and your grades now are going to affect what classes you can take in high school and your grades in high school are going to affect where you go to college. And, you know, that we, <laughs> we are so conditioned to be thinking of the very next <laughs> thing. And then I think, you know, then I, you know, and I've seen people get to the end of their lives and, you know, we've, we've constantly looked ahead and, and then you look back and say, man, look at all the stuff I missed. If only I hadn't been so focused on becoming a parent, then I really could have enjoyed being a newlywed. If only I hadn't been so focused on getting married, I could have enjoyed the freedom that comes with being single or in a relationship that, that is not marriage. Yeah. That, you know, that we, at the, it seems like as humans, we are conditioned to long for what we, we don't have. have. And I know I, I see that in myself, you know, especially, especially at this time of year coming up into the holidays, um, which of course is, you know, it's hard to say whether Christmas or Easter is busier in the church. They're busy in different ways. But they are, yeah. Christmas, I think, has more outside obligations too, which makes it feel more frenetic. And at least once a year, I think, oh man, I wish I didn't have to work at Christmas, which sounds silly for a pastor to, stay, to say. No, I but get it. But it's true. And then I think, but wait a minute. I had a whole year, year and a half after I graduated seminary when I wasn't working and I didn't like that either. You know, yeah. and I longed to be in a church and thought how great it will be when I, when I can serve a church at Christmas time. And so I think there's just this discontent yeah. that we're conditioned for. Yeah. Oh, I, I absolutely agree. And I hear what you're saying because, uh, you know, some, we do think about all these ridiculous things. I, I'm, I'm reminded as, you know, we don't live in the present moment We're we're thinking of this, that, and something else and what we want. And, you know, especially as parents, like you, mm -hmm. you want certain things for your kids and, you know, you don't have to be a parent to understand this, but I was listening to a comedian, mm. the, this, it's been a while, but he was hilarious. Uh, he was on dry bar comedy and he was, uh, he said his son said, uh, Hey dad, can I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the jelly? <laughs> And he was like, uh, no. Yeah. Why would you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the jelly? Unless you're scared of commitment, <laughs> which means you're going to drop out of college, which means that you're going to, you're going to someday end up divorced and, and, uh, having trouble with the parental rights of your kids. And then I'm going to have to pick them up. No, you cannot have a peanut butter and jelly without the jelly. And I'm like, Oh my yeah. gosh, that's the thought process yeah. that we've all had at some point. Like, yeah, we, we do. We assume, I mean, again, you know, you can't find a job right away and you assume that you're going to be sidelined for the rest of your life. You can't find yeah. a, oh a romantic partner and you think no one is ever going to love me ever. Even, you know, even as, as you think about fertility struggles and stuff, each, each struggle that we face can, can fast forward in our brains to the, the 
nth degree to the worst possible situation. And again, and again, we're, you know, we're so used to looking for those things and imagining those things and preventing those things that we, we miss the blessings of where we are, are now in the midst of heartbreak. Cause, because it's hard not to have a job that you feel called to that you've spent four or eight years preparing for. It's hard not to have a family when, when you're feeling called in that direction. It's hard not to have a spouse when that's the longing of your heart. So, so you have to hold both of those things at the same yeah. time that, and, and, and do it all while examining your relationship with God and, yes. and thinking about idols and, and what have I held up as, what am I really as, going after? Yeah. That am I, am I pursuing Christ or am I pursuing all these milestones that, that and, the world is telling me are the way to fulfillment and, and peace. And I think that's the danger for, for youth right now is oh, that yeah. there are so many things to chase after and in an, like, not that that, not that there are a lot of people are pushing bad things like be good at sports, be good at academics, look for a good job, mm-hmm. um, you know, be successful in your career, push for excellence, um, all good things, but, but they are not ends in and of themselves. Mm-hmm. And eventually they come up empty. Yeah. And, and that's what, like, if we're not actually if all those things are not in service to something greater to, to, to our creator, then they re- they come up empty and mm-hmm. we find ourselves worshiping. Um, we find ourselves worshiping a bail. And one of the, one of the, um, one of the verses that really hit me hard was uh, verse 29 in this, where the, the priests of Baal are, are, are going to try to get Baal to respond. It says midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Yeah. And I looked at that and I was like, that's, that's the emptiness of, of going through life. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to do all these things, but there's no response. No one answered no one paid attention and it can feel so lonely and isolating. And, and you know, that's where we need an Elijah to show up and say, come here, let me show you where the real response is. Yeah. And I, and I think of the, the complete faith that Elijah ha- has, because, you know, even in my own prayer life, in my own dealings with God, there's still that fear that God's not going to come through. And Elijah oh, gosh, didn't, yeah. You know, Elijah did these things so faithfully and God be, I mean, things were not going well in, in Israel at the time. Like God could have said yeah. like, sorry, this isn't, you know, I, mm, I'm out. Right. Yeah. Um, you guys have not kept up your end of the bargain. So can't, can't accept your, your offerings this afternoon. Sorry about that. You know, but that, that complete, it, I, in the character of Elijah, I see a challenge to me am I that faithful? Do I really trust that God is all powerful and all knowing and, and can do these things Mm. that I'm, that I'm praying for on behalf of myself, on behalf of others. And yet then also how to reconcile when that does happen or when it doesn't. And, um, 
but yeah, the faith of Elijah saying, no one answered over there. Come on over here. Come see. And, and that part again, does rec does resonate in that like the world hasn't given you what you wanted. Like you're still left with all these questions. Come here. Let me show you the piece that I've found. Let me show you. So, so to me, there's a challenge of, of faith and there's a comfort in there too. Like, like so many of the Bible stories and the Bible characters, oh, goodness, yes. there's, there's challenge, there's comfort, there's, um, you know, admonition and, and also celebration of, of who, of, of the faithfulness of people around us. So. Yeah. And, and even Elijah, one of the things that I noted in his response are, is that he does it entirely for the glory of God and, and, and entirely not for himself. Answer me, Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. I mean, Elijah's the one they're performing the, he, he's getting the sacrifice ready and he's saying, you're going to do this, like do it so that they can know who you are. Yeah. Um, and so he just becomes this, this conduit. He just becomes this channel and he's happy to be that. Yeah. Yeah. And that, how, how beautiful that is and, and how great it would be if each of our churches, pastors, members of the church could, could take that position of, of just allowing God to work through them instead of longing for this next milestone or goalpost or worldly celebration or what do i need yeah. to do to to get the ministry going yeah like, like it's our yeah yeah how often we assume it it's all it all comes down to our own efforts yeah yeah yeah, that's, I mean, there's so much, uh, again, I feel like I say this every week, but it, it's really true. There, there are so much in these passages and like even, because uh, uh, you have my notes, even in the what got cut section, yeah. like there is still more that, like there could be the cutting room floor, cutting room floor, yeah. um, which is sad to say, like, um, but there is so much to this, but it's so powerful. And I think it's, as opposed to this being like dusty, ancient you know, mythology, this is where the word of God shows itself to be living and acting, living and active and really applicable to our lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, I go back to that, you know, no one listened, no one answered, no one paid attention. Um, and I'm like, wow, like how many people are saying that phrase in their brains? Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And I think too, and you did mention it in your sermon, how the passage started off, Troubler of Israel. Elijah was the Troubler. I love that yeah. name. And and really, you have in your, your notes, God looks like trouble. And, you know, when you think about how, how exhausting it is to be thoughtful enough to take, to, to think about where you are in your faith and what you're making idols like th this life in God you know we we prefer to think God, of God as as comforter as father as shepherd of these mm -hmm. you know peaceful kind of things but but God is troubler too and I know we always talk about that in relationship to mission work you know when when we say hey come to this mission conference hear about what God is doing, but God also may turn your life upside down and, yeah. you know, and may call you or, you know, even harder, may call your kids to <laughs> somewhere that's not safe and somewhere, you, you know, that you might not prefer. Yeah. God, you know, so 
God is troubler keeping us unsettled enough to constantly be thinking about who we are and who we are in relationship to God that it's not just yay happy genie in the sky well and and Ahab saw God as troubler because he had no faith in him he was Mm -hmm. in that opposition point and to Ahab God was the one who was afflicting his land and making it it drought ridden and so um why are you bothering me with this why don't you just leave me alone and you can hear people today saying that of god like yeah why why do you want me to obey these these restrictive rules just leave me alone let me live my life yeah um and so that's a sign that we're we're opposed to the things of god when we when we see those things as as restrictive as you know as troubling to us and like Ah, oh, geez, here, here's that morality thing again. Yeah, yeah, here's, yeah, here's the list of rules I have to keep, or I hear, you know. Yeah, and to and to most people these days, they just go forget it. Yeah, no, thank you. So. Yeah, so lots, lots and lots in this passage. It's a it's a good passage, and and I know for my children's time, I drew in from the I drew from the story, following it because I love that picture too. That that. Elijah was so faithful and and believed that God would do what God had promised, believed that God would show up, and then immediately went out and moped that he was the only one. And oh my goodness, where are you, God? And and I can't hear you. And oh my my goodness, is that representative of our Christian faith? Which, by the way, was actually factually false. There were ninety nine other prophets of Yahweh that had just been saved. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but that's, that's total evidence of, you know, no one likes me or, you know, I, ha- I use the, the kids. I have nothing to eat in this house. Well, that's a good analogy. Yeah. Not actually true. Like you, you have more food than most people in the world right now, uh, even in the things that you very true. don't want. Very you true. Know, um, same. I have nothing to wear also not true i have a whole closet full of stuff oh my goodness and And it's funny on this side i i thought about that one because i i have struggled with that one and i've started to realize that when i say that to myself and there are clothes in the drawer that's when i need to start donating yeah like that to me is a trigger that i'm like oh i need to start donating some things yeah 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 and that that again it's that whole whole continuum of where where are we putting our faith and and our value and yep. you know by saying i have nothing to wear i'm really meaning i don't have anything that i like the way it looks or that i i want to wear yeah. or will um will show off appropriately for this situation you know thinking of like family weddings and to be appropriate and to be equally as dressed up as everyone else or, or whatever but yeah those those kinds of of deep thing of of questions of of comments of the way our brain goes to me are reminders of one to be thankful and two as you said to to then say okay well then have i made an idol of of what i want of of what i need as opposed to to reaching out to others and and sharing and i and to me i think thankfulness is a big a big part of that um, so so yeah lots of lots of really good stuff 
you know, it's fun to spend so much time picking apart these stories that, that often, as you said, kind of get glossed over and, you know, yay, God, you showed up. All right, next, you know, without really each, each character in the Bible just has such a richness and such a, a complexity that, that it's fun, hopefully. It's fun for me. Hopefully it's fun for our listeners too, yeah. to, to really dig in. And I think then when we dig in, it makes us feel a little more normal, a little more real when we realize that that these highlight stories are not the whole of, of this person's life and faith. Yeah. And, and they found themselves on a continuum too. Mm-hmm. And that the Old Testament isn't so far away. Yeah. And yeah. Like... That's one of the things that I, I hope people get out of it too. It's like, oh, okay. These were normal people. They, mm-hmm. Like they, they yeah. experienced the same things that I experience right now. Yeah. Maybe they felt in a, in a different form and in a different language, but mm-hmm. they, they, they have it. Yeah. Wow. Good discussion. Um, we would always welcome your responses, your comments, your questions. Um, this was a fun one. Um, uh, anytime we get to call fire down from heaven, it's a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also anytime we can talk about the hope of the faith, uh, for, for real, that's, that's a good day. And, and to see how that Jesus Christ can transform lives. Um, and so I, uh, you know, if you've helped, if you have found this episode helpful, I am going to get this ending right. One of these <laughs> days, one of these days, no, cause then Jesus will come back and it will be done. <laughs> If you found this episode helpful, would you please leave a rating or review and share it with others so they can discover the hope of Jesus Christ more easily? We want to expand Christ's community through worship, discipleship, and relationship. And to that end, uh, please feel free to discuss, you know, listen to this with a family member. If you're a parent, listen to it with your kid and and discuss the things that are in there. Um, also, click subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcast. That way that you can get new episodes whenever they're dropped. We've been fairly irregular irregular recently and that's that has been largely my fault uh being the chief engineer on on the project um but uh that way you can get the new episodes whenever they drop we really appreciate your listenership um but until next time uh i'm pastor james and i'm pastor dina and we hope that this helps you connect sunday to the weekday